0: you're on a dark road in the middle of the countryside and your car breaks down you have no reception and the friend you are with begins to panic you check your car and you know you're no mechanic you know that in this pitch black even if you were skilled in repairing a car you'd never be able to fix what stops this engine from running but there's hope People you know have arrived to help you. But you see, you don't know them. You really, really don't know them. Welcome, listeners, to a not safe for work story titled A Very Lonely Road by Jake Wick. I'm sure he is in no way related to a John Wick, but you just never know. And I repeat, mates, not for little ears. A brand new horror story fresh off the online press just for you that contains adult themes. Right now though, I'm drinking tea from Japan, but no ordinary tea. It's called Janette Tea, a French tea in Japan and it's delicious. I normally don't like fruit tea, I'm gonna be honest with you guys and gals, but this one is just amazing. I'll talk about it at the end of this episode, I'd hate to ruin the mood. So turn off the lights. Turn up the sound, and have your car serviced, so you never experience anything like this. The sound of the car engine coughing and sputtering made my heart sink, and my stomach not. I always had a bad feeling about driving something... That was 23 years of age even though it only had a hundred thousand miles on it and had gotten me many places i always had an uneasy feeling about it and now as i gazed past the steering wheel at the pitch dark and empty countryside i knew my gut had been telling me something i looked to my right to see my friend julie staring cockeyed at the glove compartment with a slight wince about her face amy what was that sound Asked Julie, in denial. It was the fucking engine, I said. I hate this car. I slammed my hand down on the steering wheel, accidentally honking the horn. Well, let's take a look at it then, said Julie. You know anything about engines? I asked. Silence ensued. Julie pulled her cell phone out and started typing away. All I have out here is extended, she said. I got no bars. Try to call somebody, I said. Who should I call? Literally anybody. Oh, I know who. Julie scrolled through her contacts and clicked one and then pressed her phone to her ear. Who are you calling? I asked. Triple A, she said. Julie had her phone pressed to her ear for quite some time. The ringing kept going and going in an eternal loop. Oh god. She said. Is the line busy? I don't think the call's going through. Hang up and try again. Julie hung up and redialed, pressed the phone to her ear, waited, and then nothing. My heart thumped. I hadn't seen a car in half an hour. I took back roads whenever possible. I hated driving on the highway, hated the danger, the road rage, the intensity of it. Julie and I had been on our way to a party in the mountains. Some preppy guy she liked was throwing it in his parents' McMansion and had invited us, probably in hopes that Julie would sleep with him. He was a frat guy, and I wasn't the biggest fan of his, struck me as a douchebag. Julie tried AAA's number a couple more times. It became apparent this wasn't going to work. Fifteen more minutes went by, and we still hadn't seen a car. Call 911, I said. Julie immediately dialed the three digits. She pressed the phone to her ear. It rang once and someone picked up, Our faces both lit up. 911, said the operator. What's your emergency? Hi, said Julie. My friend and I have broken down and are stuck Hello? out on... Hello, is anyone there? Hi, yes, I'm here. My friend and I are... Hello, is someone there? My heart sank. Yes! Hello? Julie kept at it for quite some time. Five minutes passed and the operator still couldn't hear. Julie hung up and called back, but the same thing happened. God damn it, we're stuck, said Julie, nearing a state of panic but not yet fully there. We'll be okay, I said as I tried to stay calm. It's not like we're on a desert island, or something. Ignoring my words, Julie opened the car door and stepped out and began huffing and puffing wildly. She cupped her hands around her mouth and yelled at the top of her lungs. Help! Somebody help us! Julie! I said as I climbed out of the car. Julie, calm down. I approached her and caressed her shoulders. Her breathing grew shakier and shallower. I worried she was having a panic attack. Calm down, Julie, calm down. It's alright. They probably have our location. They'll be out here. They can track our location. They'll be here. You don't know that, Amy. Her voice was sob-filled and tears were streaming down her cheeks. I stepped out into the cold winter air and popped the hood and fruitlessly examined the engine. I wasn't sure if I was actually looking for something or if I was just trying to come Julie. I waved my phone's flashlight around which illuminated the various complicated car parts. Something was leaking that I could see my right eyelid fluttered as my peripheral was struck by a ray of light. I turned to see blinding high beams coming towards us. They were so bright that I couldn't even see the vehicle they belonged to. Julie immediately shot out of the passenger seat and leapt over to the middle of the road and hopped up and down like a jackrabbit. She waved her arms around and yelled, Hey! Hey! Over here! Repeatedly. The vehicle, an ice-white Cadillac Escalade, with windows tinted well beyond the legal range, came to a halt in the middle of the road. We couldn't see inside. The Cadillac just sat there for a moment. Julia placed her hands just above her knees as she huffed and puffed, and I was pretty sure I heard her mumble, thank god, under her breath. Another moment passed and then the driver's side door opened. The car's interior light turned on and revealed three guys around our age inside. As I scrutinised, I realised, I recognised them from school. The driver was Keaton, frat guy, Julia had liked him at one point. Tonight he wore a blue fleece and chubby shorts, even though it was freezing outside, and tall white socks. He was a thin preppy guy with a pronounced jawline that made him look like a movie star. He constantly wore a backward facing good old boys cap, so often that it seemed to be a part of his head. In fact, I wasn't sure if I'd ever seen him without it. He was a cocky sort of guy, and always had a wealth of animated and flippant facial expressions at his disposal, unfailingly with a flare of his nostrils which looked like you could fit grapes in them. Riding a shotgun was Billy. He was short and rode the line between chubby and normal weight. He had blonde locks and one of those boyish faces, but boyish of the kind that chucks cherry bombs, into the toilet because he wants to see what happens. In the back was Peter, and he wore a blazer and khaki pants. It took me a second to recollect his name. He always looked like a deer in their headlights and mostly kept to himself. Only his friends knew him, and he often served as their verbal punching bag. Keaton stood up in the car and leaned out with his arms, resting atop the driver's side door. He peered at us. Yo! He said as he chewed gum obnoxiously. Is that Julie? Yeah, said Julie, a repressed sob almost escaping from her giggle. She was coming down now, smiling through her glazed eyes. What happened? Asked Keaton. You guys pop a flat? Car just broke down, I said. Don't know why. Well, that sucks, said Keaton with a twitch of his head. He chewed faster now. You're on your way to the rager? Asked Billy. Yeah, said Julie. We were until this stupid shit happened. She was acting all shy and flirty now. We got plenty of room, said Keaton. You can just cop a ride with us. For real? Asked Julie. Yeah. Sweet. Hell yeah. I hated how fake she acted around these preps. She wasn't a party girl and she knew it. Neither was I, but I owned it. Julie and I hopped in the back seat and Billy told Peter to sit up front. Billy got in the back with us and that made me uncomfortable, like he thought he was going to score with us. Glad we could be your knights in shining armor, said Keaton. Me too, Julie replied. You guys ready to get fucked up at this party? Hell yeah, I've been looking forward to this all week. Y'all ever seen his house? No. Well, it's dope. I'm trying to cop a third room floor to crash in. Keaton rummaged around in the cup holes on his door for a moment. Shine a light. Keaton mumbled to Peter. Okay. Peter replied. He shined his phone light and popped the glove box and rummaged around inside. As he did this, something in the glove box fell to the floor and hit the adjustment handles under the seat. Peter cursed and bent down to search for it. Shit. What is it? asked Keaton. Ah, the multi-tool that you keep, said Peter. I think it went under the seat, I can't find it. Dude! Forget, forget the fucking multi-tool. Just get the flask. Peter abandoned his search and continued to rummage around. To the left, said Keaton, and then he repeated it a little more forcefully. To the left. Peter grabbed the small flask and shut the glove box. Keaton snatched it out of his hands and popped the cap, and took a big swig from it. He then held it out to me. Y'all want some? Yeah, totally, said Julie as she snatched it from him. So fake, I thought. Julie took a minuscule little sip and coughed. <laughs> Keaton chuckled and shook his head. Julie passed a flask and I immediately passed it to Billy, who looked taken aback. You don't want any? He asked. Nope, I'm good. I said. Come on have some. I'm good. Billy shrugged and took a big gulp. As he did, I felt a tickling sensation on my right leg that I thought was nothing at first. Then I felt it again and looked down to see Billy's fingertips steadily stroking the side of my leg. He did this as he drank from the flask, as if him not looking would make it less obvious. I ignored it for a second, but he persisted even after passing the flask to Peter. I casually brushed his fingers away as I pretended to itch my leg, but that didn't stop him. He simply traversed my leg and found a new spot, and this time, his caressing was more deliberate. Can you please stop that? I blurted. The whole car went silent. Billy pulled his hand away and looked at me with a confused face. Keaton and Peter both cranked their necks and looked at me. Julie was looking too. Stop what? asked Keaton. Who are you talking to? I'm… My voice trailed off. I looked at Billy and took a deep breath. I'm talking to you. What did I do? Billy asked dumbly. You were… tickling my leg. I used the word tickling to sound less accusatory. After all, I still wanted a ride out of here. I was? Asked Billy. Yes. I… I don't (laughs) think… Billy trailed off and then chuckled, smoking at Keaton and Peter with a what-the-fuck look on his face. "'Okay,' Billy continued. "'I'll stop tickling your leg.' "'Okay, thank you.' Billy shook his head and snorted out a befuddled <laughs> laugh. <laughs> Keaton looked at him with a snide smirk. "'What's so funny?' I asked. "'Nothing,' said Billy, still snookering. <laughs> "'Nothing.' I just didn't mean to tickle your leg." Didn't mean to? Hey, come on, Julie piped up. I brushed your hand away, I continued, and you came back and kept touching me. (laughs) Billy snickered loudly and shook his head, scrunching his eyebrows and shrugging like someone who's guilty and knows it. Keaton still sneered and stared intently at both of us, seemingly entertained by the increasingly escalating situation. He giggled and playfully slapped Billy's knee. You dirty dog, said Keaton. Control yourself. I didn't do anything, Billy chortled. I'm serious. Whatever, I said. Let's just forget about it. It's fine. Now hang on, said Keaton. Hold up. He paused to blow a bubble. The bubble popped and he licked the excess gum off his lips. If we're all gonna ride in the car together, he continued, we can't just be all awkward and shit. I mean, it'll be kind of a, what do you call it? Elephant in the room? Peter mumbled. He now sat with his head slumped forward and stared down at his crotch. Yes. Said Keaton, as he snapped his fingers. An elephant in the room. Thank you, Peter. Yes, we can't just sit here all quiet and awkward and shit. You know, like we gotta just be straight up with each other. Conflict resolution, you know? I looked at Julie and she glanced at me, confused. Fake as she acted around this guy. Even she had to admit this was getting bizarre. Look, I said, it's fine. Let's just forget about it. Well, you don't look like you've forgotten about it. Said Keaton. Billy, have you forgotten? Billy sat still for a moment and then shook his head. No. Keaton looked back at me and shrugged matter of factly. It's just going to be an awkward car ride if we don't resolve it, you know? said Keaton. Well, how do we resolve this then? I asked, losing patience. I don't know. I'm just the mediator. I stared at Keaton in disbelief for a moment before uttering a disgusted Ugh noise and shaking my head. Keaton huffed and suddenly grew impatient. We're not going to get anywhere like this. He sounded like a disappointed schoolteacher. What do you want me to say? I asked. I pointed at Billy. Should he be the one resolving the conflict? Maybe he should apologize or something. Apologize? Said Billy. For what? I didn't do anything. Well, we're just going to go in circles then. I said. Forget it. Can you please just drive? Keaton stared at me for a moment with a look of surprise on his face. Well, there's a start. Now we're getting somewhere. What? I asked. You said please. Now we're on the path to conflict resolution. I stared back at Keaton with a look of shock on my face. I could not believe how far he had drawn this out. I glanced at Julie. She stared awkwardly out the window, probably just waiting for the situation to taper down. But it didn't seem like Keaton was going to let it. Keaton snatched the flask out of Peter's hand and took a big swig and then let out a satisfied "ah" when he was done. Okay, said Keaton. Let's start from the beginning. Amy, you felt Billy's hand tickling your leg, right? Right, I sighed, irritated. And you're insisting he was doing it on purpose, right? I, I guess, I don't know. Yes or no? I don't know, sure. Yes, okay, but Billy, he says he didn't do it on purpose, right, Billy? Billy nodded. So... Keaton continued. He blew another bubble. Are you calling Billy a liar? Oh my god! I said. I was fed up. I reached past Julie and opened the door and climbed out of the car. At the same time, Keaton swiftly opened his door and stepped out. I attempted to sidestep him, but he strode right in front of me. He gently touched my shoulder. I yanked my arm away and threw up my hands. Hey, 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 he said in a hushed tone. Don't touch me. Do not touch me. Get out of my way. Hey, calm down, calm down. We're just talking. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not! Get out of my way! My anger levels was reaching maximum threshold. At this point, Keaton was like a bratty little child that you just wanted to trip or knock over. Accidentally on purpose, he still had a snide sneer on his face that made him look like a sleazy conman or a lying politician. Those stupid nostrils flared, and his obnoxious chewing rang in my ears. Like rippling mosquito wings, I clenched my fist. Just listen to me, Amy, he said with a chuckle. Everything's chill, let's just calm down. Just go back in the car and we can- I let out an irate grunt as my fist shot forward and slammed right into Keaton's mouth. His head snapped back as he let out a loud oof. He staggered back a single step and clutched his lip. I heard Billy utter, Oh shit, from the car. I walked past Keaton in a huff and approached my car. I figured I could at least take refuge inside it, lock it if I needed to. I took long and purposeful strides across the asphalt. I thought of Julie and how she should be joining me in the car. This situation was getting dangerous, but I had to focus on getting there myself. Then I could motion to her and encourage her to make the right decision. I hope that these guys were just all talk. Maybe having a bad day. I suddenly felt a jolt of sharp pain fire up my leg as my knee buckled. Keaton's foot had slammed into the back of my knee. I fell to one knee and before I could get up, I felt Keaton's arm slip around my throat as he put me in a sleeper hold. He dragged me backwards as I coughed and gagged. I could hear Julie screaming and yelping from the Cadillac. You fucking serious right now? Keaton shouted in my ear. I felt little drops of his spittle hit my earlobe. I hadn't drawn a breath in at least 10 seconds now. I felt my pulse pound in my throat, rapidly increase in pace by the second. My eyes watered which caused my vision to blur. Keaton dragged me all the way to the Cadillac and threw me up against the side, just below the gas tank. From there, I could see Julie kick and scream in the car as Billy wrangled her. She had no chance. Billy was stocky and played football, and he had her in a vice-like grip, his arms wrapped firmly around her midsection just under her chest. I panted like a dog as I took deep breaths of the cold air and clutched my throbbing throat. I gazed up at Keaton, who now looked like some malevolent phantom in the pale moonlight. Clouds of his cold breath exiting his mouth and nostrils, he motioned impatiently at Peter. Peter, can you help me out here? Peter got out of the car and approached Keaton like an obedient child. He looked real skittish, and had permanent puppy dog eyes that said, ''Whatever you say, just don't hurt me.'' Keaton caught his breath and pointed at me. ''Help me with her.'' He said. He and Peter reached down and each grabbed me by the armpits. I thrashed and kicked. Keaton and Peter backed away. Keaton stepped forward and roughly placed his foot up against my shoulder and forced me against the car. "'Stop that!' he said, spoken like a parent to their three-year-old. "'Stop it now! This is ridiculous! You are out of control!' I spat defiantly at Keaton. The ejected saliva landed somewhere on his fleece. He looked down at it with disgust and rolled his eyes and shook his head. "'That's nasty. Are you supposed to be a lady?' He giggled and followed with, (laughs) "'Oh, wait!' what do you identify as? Do you identify as white trash? Cause that's what you're acting like right now. He stood and sneered at me for quite some time. I thought about trying to kick his kneecap, but I was fairly sure I would miss, and that would just piss him off more. Okay, listen up, he said. Fuck you, I replied. Don't talk, listen. He screamed with sudden vigour, which made Peter jump. He paused for a moment to find his words and chew his gum. I have a survival knife in my back pocket. If you kick like that again, there is a very severe possibility that you're gonna get hurt. Do you understand? I stayed silent and that irritated him. Tell me you understand what I've said. He insisted. I nodded. So, say Say it. it. I understand awesome! Keaton's mood flipped like a switch, and he was smiling and giddy once again. He and Peter bent down and grabbed me by the armpits, and this time I did not fight. They lifted me and shoved me into the back seat, where Julie had now gone mostly still but trembled as Billy held her in a tight bear hug and cupped his hand over her mouth. Her eyes met with mine, and the look we shared was one of dread. I lay there in the back seat, crowded and uncomfortable, My feet faced Keaton and Peter, who still stood outside the car. I had a direct shot at Keaton's face, and I knew if I took it, I could break his jaw and probably knock him out. But I didn't take it. If I missed, I might not get another chance. I had to bide my time. Keaton looked at me with snide disappointment. Was that punch in the face really necessary? Hmm... All I wanted to do was talk. That's how your parents raised you? Silence. Take the wheel, Peter. I want to get shit-faced, and I don't want to hit a damn tree or something. Peter nodded obediently and hopped into the driver's seat. Keaton rounded the car and got into the passenger seat. Let's collect phones, said Keaton. Billy reached into my pocket and snatched my cell phone out. He did the same with Julie. He handed them to Keaton, and Keaton stashed them in the glove box. Keaton took his flask and gulped down copious amounts of the fluid inside. Peter turned on the car and started driving, and Keaton grabbed the bottle of whiskey out of the glove box and refilled his flask. Peter drove like he was taking the road test, both hands on the wheel and facing forward and going five miles below the speed limit. A flash of light suddenly hit my peripheral vision. It was yellowish light. Headlights. I turned my head and was filled with hope. Not just any car, but a police car drove down the road and was coming up behind us. Our 911 call went through. Fuck, what is that? Said Keaton. Is that a cop? He looked at Peter and then Billy. Just be cool. Peter had the fear of God in his eyes. I sprang up from my seat and reached for the door handle. Almost immediately I felt Keaton's tight grip on my waist. Fuck! He clutched it with both his hands, and then he released one hand and reached for my head. I desperately yanked away from him, but he caught the ends of my hair and tugged hard, and wrenched my head down toward the floor. Help! I screamed, as if the cop would hear me. I could hear Julie's screams, which were muffled by Billy's meaty hand. He's gonna pass, said Keaton. Here, let him pass. Pull over, pull over, pull over. I could feel the weight of the car shift as Peter pulled over to the side of the road. The next sound I heard was one of the worst I'd ever heard, the sound of the cup car passing us. The disappointment and the hopelessness I felt in that moment, indescribable. I realized that police car was more than likely a random patrol car, unrelated to our fruitless emergency call. Keaton held my head down to the floor for several more moments. My spine ached from the awkward position I was in. Peter sighed with relief. (sighs) Keaton and Billy both snickered. (laughs) Fuck 12, said Keaton. Fuck, 12! Billy echoed. Start driving again. Let's go to the shack. Peter obeyed. And once again, the car was moving. Brilliant. The first part of this episode of A Very Lonely Road by Jake Wicks. And what an excellent writing style you have. I hope this was able to silently sneak under your skin, folks, and linger in your mind. It's only going to escalate from here, that I am sure of. Keaton sounds like a real asshole, and his friends are just as bad in their own compliance and seedy way. I'm rooting for our protagonists to get out of this one, but how? Their phones have been taken. They are outnumbered and overpowered, so the narrative surrounding this is just going to be wild. I've mentioned this before, but... I reach to the point at which you hear me narrate and stop. I don't read any further, so we experience stories together. So join me Monday for the next part of this tale that I'm sure is going to get hectic. Also the tea that I'm drinking is grape flavoured from Jeanette. And I have a tip for you. Over here in Australia we have aeroplane jelly. Now there is a type of jelly in their range that lets you mix flavoured drinks into it. To create a jelly that embodies that taste. I think you can get the gist of where I'm going with this. Heat up some of that jelly. I think it's called Create a Jelly. Brew some strong tea and mix them. Bam, you've got one of the most tastiest jellies around. Did this recently, so I thought I'd share it. I know, strange, but I'm a strange guy. (laughs) Have yourself a fantastic weekend, folks. And as always, till next time.